The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, and welcome to On The List. I'm Miles Nelson, and every week, my co-host Austin Bristow and I are joined by a writer from the Pitcherless staff, where we'll talk baseball, we'll discuss what they've been up to recently, we'll talk really just about everything, uh, and we'll even do a mailbag session where we answer your questions. You can always send those questions directly to myself or Austin Bristow. Uh, we also take questions every week in our Pitcherless Plus Discord server. Uh, now, this week, I am really excited to welcome our We Love Baseball manager, the self-proclaimed expert layman and host of Dugout Study Hall, our very own Matt Goodwin. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's uh, always an interesting experience being on this side of the mic. I, I guess you're always on the same side of the mic, but being on this side of the uh, the production so I, I guarantee you that at some point during our conversation here, I'm going to accidentally try and take over hosting duties. <laughs> uh, so just, you know, give me the high sign when I when I, I mess with the system. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, I've in pretty much everything that I've done played the host as well. Um, but every now and then I've I've gone on to someone else's podcast and, and, you know, done a little bit mostly with football, but it becomes really difficult to not want to jump in and like do the transition yourself. You're just so used to it. Um, obviously, you do that with uh, Alexander Chase over at Dugout Study Hall. And it's funny you mention it. I just heard it in uh, the most recent episode. First of all, congratulations, 50 episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. We that is 50. no small feat. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we've we just been plugging away. You know, there's it's, it's a labor of love. You know, when you do these things, there are definitely nights where I'll come home and I'll be like, oh, it would, it would kind of be nice to just be able to you know, take a breath, maybe, uh, have a little, a little beverage and, and hit the sack. Um, uh, and, but we never did, we never took a week off, um, uh, except for when we went every other week, but that was just, you know, kind of the way we did things in the off season, right. never took a week off, you know, one foot in front of the other. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm not a toot my own horn kind of guy, but I am pretty proud of 50 episodes. I think that that's, uh, you know, we set a goal to make this happen and, and so far so good. We've done it. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. 50 in a year podcast network has been around for just over a year now. So yeah. you definitely could not take many weeks off to hit 50. Uh, and being able to be one of the podcasts that got featured during PitchCon, you guys got to do an episode yeah. live at PitchCon. Yeah, so yeah, it was really cool. Really fun to to watch it kind of happen live. Obviously, with podcasts, mostly you can tell what happened. It's mostly live, you know, kind of. Yeah, but, right, you know, right. 
there's always a little bit of editing, a little bit of this and that. And and so sure. it's cool to see it like, I don't know, actually happening live for some reason. It feels different, um, different kind of energy maybe too, when you know that you've got the viewers. Um, I know you guys were staying up with the, with the Twitch chat. So, um, Trying to. You know, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely tell you that thing moves fast sometimes, especially at yeah. PitchCon when you've got hundreds of people watching. Um, but, but going back to the host thing. So I heard it a little bit on your most recent episode because you guys brought on Nick, uh, right. Nick Pollock, you know, head of the website whatever whatever you may uh, you may know him yeah you, you know, may have heard of him familiar to you <laughs> uh but it's funny because i heard kind of early on you were just kind of um you know, asking some warm up questions, getting a little bit like picking his brain a little bit. And he goes, Oh, so what are we here to talk about? I'm like, Nick, sit back. Let Matt do yeah, it. Let yeah, Matt do yeah, his yeah. thing, man. No, that's, that's fine. I mean, it, it, first of all, I know he, he's always itching to get into the content and it's because he, he absolutely loves it. I mean, how can mm-hmm. you, he, he has such a passion for talking about pitchers um, that, uh, he was just super excited to get into it. Uh, and we started off by talking about hitters, which I did on purpose, <laughs> uh, just yeah. a small, a small troll there. Uh, and I, and but- you know what I think, I think though you approached it, you approached it beautifully, you gave him a, a way to talk about it without really making him dive deep, which, um, is exactly what you make Alexander chase do all the time though, is you make him dive deep. So it was very, <laughs> very kind of you to, to let Nick off the hook a little bit when it came to hitters. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny though, that that was the, the first question, um, yes. Although actually the first question you asked was about the, uh, origin of dugout study yeah. hall and how, uh, you two were placed together. Because, you know, many people don't know the podcast network was really just everyone at PitcherList had ideas and there weren't very many like ready made shows. It was a lot of, right. you know, right. Matt said, hey, I wanted to learn. I wanted to ask questions. They, they tell this whole story on Dugout Study Hall, the most recent episode. Definitely go check it out. But, you know, Matt, you went to, to Nick and Trevor Huth and said, I want to ask questions and get my questions answered. And Alexander Chase said, yeah. I have a lot of knowledge and I want to teach people <laughs> things. Um, and here I was thinking that they were just like, oh, Matt's a teacher and Alex is a che- teacher. Let's just put them together. Yeah, I, I do think there was probably some of that. I mean, I was asking Nick to go back into his memory banks uh, 13, 14 months. Um, part of the story though, that was not told there, uh, because I already knew it, this, this is, this is my, my part. So I'm revealing a little bit of, of my, uh, access into it was that I was pretty much brand new at that point. Mm-hmm. I have not been in the ecosystem for more than, you know, whatever, 14, 15 months mm-hmm. at pitcher list. And when I came in, I was very overwhelmed at first. Uh, I had really applied on a whim. I was looking for something to do that would, uh, kind of uh, scratch my creative itch. Um, you know, I, uh, my day job is teaching and, and there's a lot of creativity that goes into that, but it's a different thing. It's just mm-hmm. different, whether you're writing or you're creating music, which is something else I like to do, um, or, or podcasting. It, it's just a different thing. So I was really looking for something. I applied on a whim. I, I really thought for sure I was going to get the thanks, but no thanks robo email. Uh, I had no idea <laughs> that Nick read every one of them, you know, um, and, and fortunately, you know, uh, one of the things I think Nick is excellent at, I've said this before, he hates it when I say nice things about him. So I'm going to go ahead and say some nice things about him, um, <laughs> is that I think he is, he's good at knowing where people are going to fit, even if they don't know where they're going to fit. And right. that's a hundred percent the case with me. So here I am, I, I'm, I've come in to the, we love baseball section to write basically funny things as far. This is as much as I know I'm here to write hopefully <laughs> funny things because Nick took a chance on me because I made him laugh with my email when I applied. And um, I was like, well, I, I did this even though I was a little bit nervous to do it. 
and they're asking for podcast people, I'm not going to say no to opportunities. I'm just going to keep right. saying yes until I can't say yes anymore or they tell me to stop asking to do things <laughs> uh, and invite me to uh, leave. So um, uh, everything was really brand new. I, I, I How much I had even written at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we did like some sample stuff with people that we eventually didn't wind up doing podcasts with. Um, and so, yeah, that, that whole situation was very, um, and it was very like fish out of water for me, but I, I really wanted to take the chance. And, and I did, I said, you know, at that point, especially I wasn't doing any kind of, uh, analysis. Right. So I didn't, I didn't want to say like, yeah, I'd love to do this thing where, I say really deep, intellectual, smart, <laughs> insightful things about baseball when really right now I'm just a fan who plays fantasy. And, um, you know, this is a really cool opportunity for me. Uh, but because I'm a teacher and I, my part of what I do every day is try and get kids to think deeply about things by asking right. them questions, I can play the part of I don't really know very much. But when we look at all this complicated stuff or we hear people talk about the complicated stuff, maybe I can ask questions that the listener can't ask right, uh, because exactly. they're listening, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and ultimately uh, help to to empower people to number one, not be intimidated by uh, fan graphs or or uh, Savant or, or even now the pitcherless pages, which by the way are amazing and and I don't 100%. think intimidating at all. Um, but there's so much information there that it, I think it overwhelms a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of people who play fantasy who are not the, the you know, group of people who are interested in three hour, four hour deep dives into the maths that make mm-hmm. all of this work. And um, no matter how you enjoy fantasy baseball, do it. You own it. It's yours. That's awesome. And, and I want everybody to enjoy that. And I think that trying to bridge that gap between right. – people talking about these deep analytics and guys like me, when I first came in saying, I have no idea what that practically means. How is that actionable? What do I do? Who do I drop? You know, and who do I add? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I want to, I want to have a leg up on, on my league mates. Right. Um, make it approachable. Yeah. I, to try and make it approachable in the best way possible. And that was really what I said to Nick, like, don't make me the centerpiece. Let me be the one who asks the questions. And uh, it was actually Alexander's idea to to sell myself as expert layman i think it's hilarious so um that's that's where that was born yeah it's such a it's such a good name it's exactly it's so funny because it's exactly what um i tried to do with the qb list uh podcast that when i joined i think i joined the qb list podcast a couple months before you joined pitcher list so around around the same time really mm-hmm. and when eric was asking for people to podcast i was like look i don't know a whole lot about the analytics of football. Um, right. But, you know, the podcast had existed for a while. There had been a lot of really smart people, but they had never had just someone to ask the questions uh, and and play that role of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so it's always a running joke whenever we, whenever we do the podcast and stuff. I'm like, look, I'm not going to do any prep. I'm going to do enough prep to know what questions to ask you guys. But like, right. you, like I'm at like Eric and, and Ryan Heath this year, I, I came to them and I was like, I was like, look, this is the deal. Every week, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you the questions that the people are asking. I'm going to tell you the questions right. that people want to know. And you guys don't have to explain it to me uh, because I'm just sitting here being the the people, you know, at, right. at large. Right. And so yep. when I saw expert layman in the tag for Dugout Study Hall, I was like, that is so genius. That is absolutely yep. incredible. Um, and, and it's exactly what, what I think, in my opinion, any good analysis podcast needs whether it's a two-person crew or more you have to have that one person that's like i'm going to be the voice of the people because the people 
don't have a voice here, quite literally. Right, 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 uh, right. So I, I thought that was genius. Um, and and I want to go back to one other thing you said, mentioning about applying to PitcherList on a whim. Uh, that yeah. might be the greatest whim that anyone has ever had because you join PitcherList, uh, what, November of 2020. I think may- yeah. maybe you like officially join. I don't remember exactly when. That was, it whole- was, yeah, it was the big onboarding that, that kind of has had happened uh, every year at that point. That was yep. where I first joined. And, and then I'm in this sea of discord, having no idea what's going on. Being like, what did I do? But yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how it happened. And then, and then Nick says, you know, Nick, Nick does all the hiring. I thought, and now, now I help Nick with the hiring. There's so yep. many people and, and so much that goes on. We had, um, 130 applicants this most recent hiring uh, period. Um, So it's a lot to go through. Uh, Nick goes through every single one of them, right? Um, It's absolutely incredible. Um, And in fact, he did, he did all of the interviews back in, uh, in October. I don't know where he found the time, but uh, so, so you, you get brought on Nick, Nick shows us all the new teams and um, me at that time, me and Ben Brown were the co-managers of the, we love baseball section. Ben still um, over that section, focusing on the gift side of things. And then, Um, at that time I was focusing on the writing, but Nick didn't want, Nick didn't want it to be like that siloed within the teams. Like, let's just, you know, let's put people on whatever team. And so you were put on Ben Brown's team, um, even though you're coming in to write. And so both me and Ben got a, got a chance to work with you, which I think is fantastic that, that we both got a chance to work with you because it was so evident so early on, like Ben came to me almost immediately after he saw one of the first things you wrote and he, he was like, this guy's great. He's in his own head a lot. We just got to encourage yep. him to do it because he's he's such a good writer. And one of the first things you wrote is um, the 12 things of baseball that make the game for yeah. me. And it is so good. It is so good. Just, just the, you know, <laughs> 12, 12 things of Christmas, right? That that yeah, song everyone yep. knows. But just uh, just 12 of the – well, yeah, I guess 12 – Whatever it's the math works out to plus be. Plus eleven plus yeah. yeah, we need Alexander to do the fast math for us here. But <laughs> we, it dang was, it. That thing <laughs> took on. forever to put together. Mm-hmm. I and and it was maybe the third thing I'd done, I think, overall. Um and it really did. It it took a long, 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 long time. But again, labor of love, you know, it was cool. I got to go through different things. I in the process of creating that piece, I learned more about embedding YouTube videos and gifing and um, jiffing, whatever. I don't want to alienate <laughs> any of our listeners. Um, <laughs> don't don't uh, let I, I got, Nick catch you saying jiff. Oh God. Well, he and I are on the same page about that. I, I just, I'm just trying to be inclusive. Um, it's, uh, it, it was, it was, so I, I actually got to learn a lot about process while I was doing that piece as well. So it wasn't just about that content, which, um, obviously I, I, I wanted to put out, but it was also all the things that I got to learn along the way. But uh, yeah, that one took, that took a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the really cool thing is, so obviously you're, you know, brand new to the team. Um, I'm, you know, you, you weren't there during the regular season in 2020 when kind of the main thing that we had focused on was what we called the best things in baseball, the best moments in baseball. And so for you to come in and immediately just like write this piece that is just quintessential. We love baseball. Cause I mean, that's the name yeah. of the, the <laughs> yeah. name of the whole category. Right. Um, it just it got, made it clear that you got it from, from a very early, like there's a lot of people who are good writers. Um, a lot of people who uh, good researchers, um, but there's, there's also like that it factor of just understanding the core 
of what exactly it is um, that the section is setting out to do or what the, what we're trying to accomplish. And, and just from very early on, um, it was clear that you got that. And, and then with the podcasting too, uh, very clear that you understood, you know, whatever, understood the assignment. I guess that's like the meaning yeah, yeah, these days. Yeah, yeah, right. you, understood, you understood the assignment very early on of like, what are we, what are, not only are, what are we trying to accomplish, but what do the people want? What is it that the people want to hear? What do they want to read? Um, and so, and, and what, and what, how does that inter intersect with what you enjoy doing, where your passion is, because it's very clear the passion that comes through, um, in the stuff that you write. So, uh, it was really, really fantastic getting to kind of work with you from day one and seeing you grow into where you are now, which is 50 episodes in a dugout study hall, yeah. uh, managing the, we love taking my job, literally managing the, we love baseball <laughs> section. Uh, Only because you got promoted. Let's, let's not make it sound like. <laughs> yeah. I work, I work Royale. for you now. Uh, no, I lost. <laughs> it was a whole thing. No. Um, but, but being very clearly someone that like, it, it was so evident from, from we were like, this is exactly the person that would make the perfect sense to do this. Um, and now even growing uh, into writing, fantasy articles writing an across the seams article i saw you mentioned um it's your goal to write something in every single category of pitcher list this year which i think if you had and, and i guess that goes back to you what you said like i'm just gonna say yes to every opportunity until yeah. until someone tells you no <laughs> yeah um, yeah but it, it's so it's such an incredible growth especially if you maybe go back to the matt goodwin in november of 2020 and said hey this is the path that you're on you know, I don't know. Would you would you have believed that if if you were able to go back and talk to November twenty twenty, Matt? I don't know. I don't think that I would have even had the knowledge to know. Uh, knowledge to know. That's really well said. You can tell I do writing and podcasting. Really, really great. <laughs> hey, it's um, the expert layman I, thing. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll chalk it up to that. Um, I, I I don't think that I, I. There's so much that I didn't know. I was so ignorant about all of these things uh, getting into it that I wouldn't have been able to even probably uh, conjure an image of what that could possibly have looked like. So, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned that and and I want to shout out Ben um, because I'm just saying and I've said this before and it makes him blush. Um, <laughs> but uh, without Ben, I, I probably wouldn't still be in the pitcher list ecosystem. Um, he was. Uh, be, I, you know, it, listen, there's so many great people, but he was my guy, right? My point right. of contact, yep. my touch point to everything. And uh, he's absolutely right when he says that I get in my head. I'm not I don't make any secrets about that. Um, we're not you know, letting cats out of the bag here. I, I am very much like that. I think a lot about a lot of things. Um, I value other people's time and space. I don't want to take that away from somebody else or be bothering somebody too much. Um, and, and to a fault sometimes, I, I think it's, it's like anything, your strengths, uh, can be your weaknesses. <laughs> and so right. those are the, those are the things that maybe, uh, help me ideate and, and follow things through and, and, uh, be ambitious. They're also the things that, that sometimes give me anxiety about this stuff. And, um, there were definitely moments where I, fe I felt imposter syndrome big time. Um, early on, I tried too soon to jump into fantasy analysts, uh, work, uh, outside of pitcher list, but it, it, it wasn't right for me. It had nothing to mm -hmm. do with what I was trying to do. I wasn't ready. Um, mm -hmm. and it was causing a lot of stress and, um, having somebody who is, uh, is encouraging and supportive and, and understanding and compassionate makes all the difference in the world. And that was, uh, when we talked about me stepping into that manager's role. 
that's the thing that's really important to me that I pay that forward. And that comes from my day job too, a little bit. It comes, I think from the way I'm wired and, and my life experience. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm older than, than most people probably jumping into this industry too. This is, this is, I, I am, I'm not a young man. Uh, I'm not super old, but I'm definitely, <laughs> and there, there, listen, there are people in, in our, on our staff, in our discord who are phenomenal analysts. And I could have had as students teaching in, in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there is something to be said too for having the life experience Mm -hmm. of learning yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing yourself. And it doesn't take everybody 30 years to get there or 40 years to get there. (laughs) Um, uh, But I do think that, that there is some of that perspective that comes and, and I was able to say, look, it it really, it's not my thing to commit and then back out. I hate it. I really hate it. But if I don't try and and think about where I really am making a difference and where I'm really able to grow and learn, I'm gonna wind up walking away from this whole thing. And um, right. uh, you know, I, I I say this and I share this story because I don't think that that's a feeling that I'm alone in having in this industry. It is a very yeah. saturated market. There's a lot of really smart people doing a lot of great work, and sometimes um, I think it's very easy to look at what's coming across your Twitter feed or what else, uh, what other work people are doing or, or seeing, seeing somebody else. This is a human emotion too, right? Seeing somebody else get picked up and retweeted, have a tremendous amount of success. And it's not that you wish ill upon them, but you start to think, well, like when is, when is it my turn? And right, right. that's when you're doing something creative, you don't know that turn may never come. So having the realization that I want to do this for me and if it reaches other people and it speaks to other people, then that's fantastic. But, um, being true to myself and, and anybody out there who happens to be listening to this, who might be feeling those same things. Um, it's a very lonely place to be because you don't want to go to somebody and say, I'm not sure what to do because you don't want to look like you're not ready to do the thing you've signed on to do. Right. But you need that sort of support and encouragement. And, and Ben was, was an absolute is still an, a master at that. And, and I, I, I couldn't be more grateful for having been, been paired up with him. I'm sure it would have been the same if I, if I had been directly under, under you or you might've been like Goodwin enough of this. All right. I've had enough. <laughs> this is not worth it. Your, your, your Christmas thing was funny, but we're good. We're done here. Um, but I, 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 I just never I, said that. <laughs> and in, in all seriousness, I, I, I want yeah. people to understand that when they're doing this work, if you have those moments where you feel that way, you're not alone. Uh, there's nothing wrong with feeling your human emotions and, and kind of look at what is it that's bringing you joy and what is it that's bringing you stress and try and make good decisions where you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but you're also not uh, burning your candle at both ends. And how yeah. many more metaphors I can bring into this, I don't know. But um, I, I, I do think out. that I think, yeah, we'll see. I do think that that is important and, and knowing yourself and, um, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that's something that maybe doesn't get talked about as much. So, uh, hopefully that helps somebody. Yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned, you, you hate, uh, quitting from something that you've committed to, but at the same time, like <clears throat> you also have to remember, and, and this goes for anyone out there, you know, it's not just like, Oh, I don't want to quit on something I've committed to, but you also have to understand, you know, where can I put my time and energy? What can I get out of what it is that I'm doing? And so there are going to be times where you have to make those decisions of, 
what is worth like that return on investment, you know, so to say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so definitely it's, it's crazy. The story that you just shared, first of all, I did not, I did not know that. Um, uh, obviously I knew, I knew that Ben, Ben saw so much in you and, and Ben really believed in you and, and was always talking so highly about you. Um, and, and I saw the same thing once, you know, I was able to see, you know, the stuff that you're writing and putting out there and, and then even, you know, listening to you on dugout study hall, but by the way, you have a fantastic voice. So it's a really, really nice voice to listen to. Uh, well, thank you, thank you. It's 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 really great. You and Alexander both, um, but it's it's a really good compliment, I, I think, uh, for you two to each other because you kind of have that like it's very calming and soothe soothing. Um, and Alexander has a little bit of a calming, but he also there's so much information up there that like yeah. you can you can hear him trying to like get as many words out of his mouth at one time as humanly possible. Uh, yeah, the hamster so, wheel is going, it's really going, but it's, it's all he, the energy and enthusiasm that he has, you know, and exactly. How do you, how is, that's contagious. How do you not fall in love with that? Exactly. Uh, it may, <clears throat> makes dugout study hall, just such a, such an uh, easy listen. Um, but uh, you sharing your story about, about, you know, where you were at, you know, maybe this time last year or, you know, even before then when, whenever, um, you know, your, your path, I guess, to where you are now. Um, I actually quit at the end of my first year at Pitcher List. Um, so I started at Pitcher List in 2018. Uh, and I had, I started out real strong. Uh, I wrote an article about why Jose Altuve should be drafted ahead of Mike Trout. Uh, didn't, that didn't go, that didn't go well. Um, but sure I, you so had your reasons. I had, I look, I stand by what I wrote. I stand by my reasoning. Listen, none of us have 100%. crystal balls, right? Yeah, it just listen. I batting average, uh, anyway, whatever. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then, and then I, you know, at that time back in 2018, it was just fantasy coverage. We didn't have anything yeah. else. Um, and so I was trying my hand at going deeps. So I was trying my hand at fantasy coverage um, and everything. You look at my first year of of what I wrote, and it's kind of all over the place. And I found out very quickly that this was not this is this is not something I was good at. This is not something that I, I asked. I couldn't stop asking questions. I, I have a distinct memory of when I kind of uh, gave up. Uh, and that was, I had was writing a piece about Yasmani Grandal um, saying that his hot streak was not, you know, he started out that, that year, his April, 2018, absolutely insane pace um, was hitting home runs left and right was, you know, basically like the way we see Salvador Perez right now is how we saw Yasmani Grandal at the end yeah. of April, 2018. So I was writing a piece about why this wasn't sustainable. And I didn't know when to stop digging and when to start just writing because i had yeah. so much imposter syndrome of like no but i have to keep answering if i have a question i have to have the answer to this question that answer has to be in the article by the time i published the article he wasn't on a hot streak anymore he'd, he'd already cooled off yeah and so i was yeah, writing yeah. this article saying he's gonna cool off and then i look i finally write the piece i look at his numbers over the last week and i was like oh i think it happened i think i think i'm a week late on this because it took me like two and a half weeks to write the piece sure because uh, yeah. i couldn't i couldn't stop myself so at the end of that season i i remember i was um on a business trip uh at that time i traveled a lot for work i was in, sitting in my hotel room um and i was messaging nick saying hey like this just isn't for me like i'm really sorry like i really love it here and nick yeah. was like no dude like you like, like, yeah, maybe, maybe the fantasy thing, maybe that, maybe the way we were doing it wasn't right for you, but we're doing new stuff. We're trying all this new stuff. Um, stick around. We, I really love for you to, for you to still be here. Um, 2019, we start anti-list, which is kind of the precursor to we love baseball. Anti-list was supposed to be satirical and, and parody and all yeah. this stuff. And so we kind of started with that. And so in, in that I found the wacky leagues 
um, and found a home kind of to do that kind of stuff. And then that's just where like, I found my niche. I found my niche at Pictureless and it isn't fantasy analysis and it never will be, by the way, if, if anyone listens yeah. to my fantasy analysis, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my, my niche is how do we make fantasy baseball fun? And that's not to yeah. say that it's not fun, but like, what can we, like, how can we do more? How can the I later? Put- yeah. The lighter side of stuff. It doesn't always have to be, you know, deep dives into, into statistics and, and, you know, rolling charts and graphs and those things have their place and they're amazing, but there's, there's a lot more that can, they can bring people joy. Yeah, exactly. And so that was exactly what it was. It was just the lighter things. And then, uh, we love baseball gets born from that. And then, you know, that's the, that's all she wrote, honestly, but, um, it's, it's so wild to me that both of us kind of the paths that we've taken to be where we are, basically from what I'm hearing from this is that in a year or two, you are going to also be like a director of something at Pitchless. Uh, I think that's <laughs> what I'm hearing. And, we'll and I, th- <laughs> I think, I think this is a fantastic time, uh, for us to go from, uh, you know, not knowing our place in the fantasy baseball industry at a, at a, at a, you know, amazing baseball website that now uh, has ads. So let's take an ad break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Wow, Matt, what an amazing ad. Uh, you know, Nick really sold that thing or, uh, you know, whoever it is. Yeah. They really sold that thing. Uh, but it, it is, you know, it's just so weird to me now that we're at a place where, uh, and I, I don't know how it was, you know, I came back to on the list. Uh, I wasn't actively podcasting when we started doing ad breaks. What what was that like for you going from doing Dugout Study Hall, like those first few times when you're like, oh my God, we have to like, we have to take a break here. Like how how was that transition for you? Um, it was a little nerve wracking. It still is. Sometimes I'm like watching the clock and I, and I find myself like zoning out and I'm like, Oh boy, I'm going to have to say something here soon, but we're at 30 minutes and I probably should have already done the, the ad break five minutes ago. Uh, it, the first one that I was supposed to do, I totally forgot, blew right <laughs> through it and had to just find a spot yep. as I was time stamping and, and shoehorn it in. And it was uh, not great, but it worked. And, uh, ever since then it's, it's been, we've made it work. Um, but it's definitely, it's, it's a different approach when, when you're, you're, um, you have to be very conscious of the time, you, you know, I, I don't know how interested people are in this, but like, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole, uh, science behind yeah. the placement of an ad and, and how far into a podcast and, you know, how many minutes does the average podcast even get listened to? And you want to make sure that it, it lands, you know, much to the chagrin of the people perhaps listening, but, um, you know, that's just the way of the world. I, I mean, I, right. when I listen to a podcast, there's an ad and okay, there's an ad. That's how they're, 
That's how they're paying their bills. That's how they're paying yep. their writers. That's how they're doing whatever they're doing. Right. So yep. um, anyway, it's, it, it is definitely something that you have to be aware of uh, in our rundowns. I have a spot. And, and to sometimes remind be you like, as you're going through the yep, notes, yeah, there'll be like three segments before it or two, depending upon how many questions I'm asking. And it's highlighted. It's not only just there, but it's bright yellow so that I can't I can't blow by it by mistake. I love it. I love it. I uh, I think this is definitely the first time that I remember to do it in the time frame that we're asked to do it. I think I might have remembered it on one of the other podcasts, but I remembered it in like the after the 45 minute mark. And I was, it was very much like a, like a last minute, like, Oh yeah, let's take an ad break. So, uh, it's definitely a learning, <laughs> learning curve for me still, yeah. which is hysterical by the way, because I've been in all the conversations about us getting, uh, ads for podcasts and getting a podcast sales manager and all this stuff. Like I was in those meetings with Adam Howe, uh, our podcast manager, who's done a fantastic job yeah. uh, managing the podcast. Network. I was in those meetings and telling him, Hey, we got to do this. And then for me to go out on the first two podcasts and just completely neglect it. <laughs> I was just like, Adam, please, please. Uh, I know, I know Adam, my yeah, bad. Oops. So this, this is, I mean, this is my public apology to you, Adam. <laughs> there is a muscle memory, so to speak, that goes with, with these things. And, um, For sure. you know, if you, if you go back and listen to the first few episodes of Doug Outside, you've said a lot of nice things about me here, here tonight, but you can definitely hear the evolution, uh, of, I think the first episode, I actually tried to put like a windscreen on, on the mic that I was using at the time. And it sounded like I was on, on, uh, you know, AirPods. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to understand and, um, Again, full disclosure, I'd never done a podcast before. I'd played with mm -hmm. Audacity um, for some music stuff that I'd done, and I had some ideas about how to do things. In high school, I liked taking sounds and like recording them and putting them into, into like the PowerPoint presentations. Like original PowerPoint <laughs> had just come out, um, so that was like my limited experience with it. And um, it, there, you know, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into a podcast that if you haven't done one. How would you know? I, I don't blame right. anybody for not knowing. Right. Uh, but but there is. There's a lot. Uh, when we first started doing it, I was putting in like four or five hours on the editing. And Man. Trying perfectionist, like take out every little blip and and pause. And it just got to be untenable. Um, but, you know, I've, I've also learned shortcuts and I've learned tricks and audacity. And, and yep. you know, as you go, like anything else, you get better as you go. You get more comfortable as you go. Alexander and I understand each other better as as uh co-hosts so mm. you know it, it it is what it is you know it's like anything else yeah um i wanted to you mentioned uh playing around with music you've done the uh soundtrack or not intro theme whatever you want to call it yeah. for a number of pitchless podcasts right i have yes do, do you can you say do you know which ones exactly are using oh, your top of my head uh i early on so i had worked up a couple for our podcast and I kind of let Alexander choose. Mm -hmm. So the one that was left over, I think went to on the farm. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, so I did that one. I did the, on the wire, uh, they came mm -hmm. they wanted like a Ted DiBiase theme type of thing. And so I went in and, and did that. Now I don't want to sell myself as some musical aficionado early on. I would actually play some of the little parts in there, but most of it is just using uh, royalty-free loops, right, right, and, and assembling them. Which you know, it, 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 it these things more don't exist do. as they are. I, I am putting them together, but it's more like this is going to sound really awful. But it's more like like DJing than it is than it is like <laughs> writing music. And but yeah, so um, I as new podcasts come on, Adam will reach out. Hey, Matt, we got another one. Do you want to, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? That's so cool. I think, I think it might be like seven or eight now. I'm, I, I don't think I can name them all, but um, yeah, it, it, they, there's similar 
formulas to how I put them together. So you could probably pick out the Goodwin intros. <laughs> is there, is your own, uh, your favorite or did Alexander pick one that wasn't like your top choice for your own podcast? I wanted the one that went to on the farm. Oh. Um, but no, it's okay. You know, li- listen, that's uh, honestly, I was happy to do that. I was, I was giving him options that he had no input into. Of right? course. So, of course. It, the the right thing to do is to let him then choose from those things or even say like I don't like any of those you know let's, you've let's spoken spoken like board. a like a husband who has been through the rigmarole of well where do you want to eat tonight and oh, like God. hey let's yeah. let's figure out you know we we oftentimes we just go through uh, Megan and I who've been together for uh, seven years now we have kind of a, a formula that works and it's just all right one of us just names all of the places that sounds even remotely interesting. And then the other one will cut from that list. And then we'll kind of go back and it'll just be like a reverse draft where we just like, we're each cutting from, from the original list. Um, the only problem is once you get down to like about three, that's when you get into like, oh, I don't know, any of them sound good territory. Um, yeah. And so that's the, di- that's the dicey part, but sometimes. Meanwhile, an hour has gone by yeah. and then you have to start it all over again. Once you order with what are we going to watch on Netflix? Yeah, that so that's the good thing about uh the we like our setup it's very simple. I always go pick up the food and so that gives us plenty of time once I leave the house. It's like okay, then like let's get the wheels turning on on everything else. Um it helps too that we watch a lot of uh like reality competition shows. Um and mm. so it just kind of is like which so like right now we're watching Celebrity Big Brother, we're watching Next Level Chef, um we're about to start Tournament of Champions. We're watching season 15, I think of The Challenge. Uh, we're watching kids making championship Lord. Nice. Uh, but it's, but you know, it's like, it's, it's that, that really narrows down, you know, the yeah, wide world yeah. of things that we can watch. And then every now and then, like we're also in the middle of, um, after party on Apple, uh, Apple TV, uh, fantastic yep. show, but it, you know, it kind of helps narrow things down of like immediately like, okay, are we going to watch a competition show? Cool. Are we, which comp like, do we want to watch food? Do we want to watch? So anyway, that's, yeah. I don't know how. Oh, intro music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. on, that's the on the list experience right there, baby. Trademark. Um, <laughs> so the other the other question I had, you know, you mentioned being creative, and I, I heard Nick mention this on the most recent episode. So your logo recently changed for Dugout yeah. Study Hall. Was that was that you? Did you make the new logo for Dugout Study Hall? I made both. I, I made the original logo. Um, and I'm not even going to tell people how I did it. Cause it's actually pretty <laughs> embarrassing. But here's the, here's the thing that's extra embarrassing is that I'm going to fully admit that at that point, I think it was all egos. Like I want to do this because it's foolish. We have an entire graphics department <laughs> that is phenomenal. I, I don't mean like, like they're good. I mean like best in the business. Absolutely. They're, they're unreal. And here I am like, no, I'm going to do this. <laughs> no, I don't, what was I doing? I, whatever. And, and so, um, this is honestly how it came to be. I, uh, I get sick of looking at the same graphics over and over again, like whether it's like the lock screen on my phone or whatever. And, right. and eventually I just kept looking at it and, and, and it would come up like on my phone when our episodes would drop and I would see it next to all the other logos. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, and, um, I had gotten in uh, to I, to triple play, uh, triple play fantasy. Great guys over there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity there to kind of try and work on doing my own graphics for my own my own articles. Um, and so I I talked to the guy that they have over there who does does their stuff 
also phenomenal. Toby's amazing, mm-hmm. but he's one guy and they do all these sports. So um, I was like, this is an opportunity maybe for me to learn something new. I, mm-hmm. I, I do like learning new things and trying to be decent. You know, I don't, you. I don't need to be Justin Par- uh Is it Paradis? He's going to be mad. I don't know. How to yeah. Say- Par- Paradis. Paradis. I got it right. Okay. At least there's that. I always look at it. I'm like, I'm going to say this wrong. And I feel bad because he's such a good guy and he's amazingly talented. I'll never be that. I'll never be able to compete in those like pitch con draw offs. Like great graphics draw off. Yeah. I mean, those ugh, those graphics, they're, they're really, really, really amazing. Right. Um, so I started messing around with with that uh, for for the pieces that I was doing over at Triple Play. And I was like, OK, there's I've got this concept. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try and, and upgrade and make it look a little bit more like what the other logos that I'm seeing look like in, in the feed. And um, I just kind of did it um, <laughs> and it switched really it up good. in the, in the thing. So um, maybe I probably should have said like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Is it okay with everybody? <laughs> um, so I don't know if that was Nick being like, Hey, you did this thing. <laughs> and I think that it looks really nice. Or if that was more like a, Hey, I noticed you did this thing and didn't tell me. <laughs> Uh, at first, nah, absolutely but, not. Um, no, no I mean, I'm just kidding. And <laughs> if you know Nick, you know that's the furthest thing from what he's trying to say. There, he's absolutely he's super nice. Um, please don't misunderstand. That was that was my dry sense of humor. That was not me actually, actually uh, <laughs> saying that Nick was, is mean. So anyway, that's that's how it came to be. Uh, but yeah, I did I did that too. I I, I don't know. I I try like to try and and do different things and and. Uh, dabble and stuff and honestly that's the what motivated me to apply in the first place so yeah yeah i mean uh wild that a a teacher wants to learn new things and and push themselves (laughs) uh you know it's it's so funny by the way you come on here and and you're saying you know i gotta talk behind you know nick's back and you're you talking behind people's back is like just saying the nicest things about them, both Nick and Ben, it's uh, really says a lot about who you are. And it says, it says a lot about the the whole culture that Nick has really uh, yeah. worked so hard to, to yep. cultivate at picture list of, of like, he pretty much has like two rules for like bringing people onto the staff. And it's one, like love baseball and two be a generally good person that like, yeah you know, like a morals, not a morals clause, but like, that's, that's just kind of the, like a compass, right. That Nick kind of operates yes, on. Yes. And, um, and he's expert at, at being able to just kind of diagnose that in, in a, a short conversation. And um, he's got 175 people that he's that, and, and, and there's just, there's no, like, we don't have problems in our discord, right? We don't, people aren't being unkind or right trolling people. You know, there's, when you get into stuff that lives not face to face, right? So many of us On work together. Room. We 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 love each other. We've never met each other. Right, <laughs> right. right. We've never been in the same room. Um, when you have that separation between people, you see this on social media all the time, it is so easy to let the devil on your shoulder take over <laughs> what you're doing and saying. Um, and, and that just doesn't happen. I think that's because not only is he so good at spotting the, the character that he wants to be part of this and the energy he wants to be part of it, but because he does that, it's just kind of accepted. That's not, that's not what happens. So if you're not in the discord and you're not a a PL plus member, get in there because it's, it's, um, 
and I know this is this is a pictureless podcast. It sounds like I'm saying that because I have to. I don't have to. Uh, <laughs> I mean it. It's it's if you're a baseball fan, there is something for you. There's more than something for you. There's lots of things for you, and it's a community like I've never experienced before. And yeah. um, it, it really is. It's just a, a lot of really good people. I think the the greatest thing. Maybe not the greatest thing, but kind of along the lines of what you were saying is there's not a single question that gets asked, no matter how like, quote unquote, dumb, or even like when you're asked the question, like how dumb of a question you feel like it is, there's not a single question that gets asked, whether it's by staff in like a staff channel, or by a PL plus member, like looking for some information that doesn't get answered, like completely earnestly. Um, right. That's just like, hey, you have this question, let's get you the answer. There's no, no one ridicules like anyone for, for a question. Um, it's really just like, even, even if it's something that we has been asked 50 times or it's something that like, you know, quote unquote, you should know or whatever, like no one has that attitude and it's just like, cool. Like right. you have this question, like let's, let's get you the help you're looking for. Um, and it's really, really cool. Um, I want to kind of go back real quick. Cause there's, there's so much stuff I want to get to obviously. And we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about non pitcherless stuff. I promise we're going to talk about non baseball stuff. Let's too. talk about whatever you want. This is, this but is your show. That's the beauty of this for me. The one, <laughs> yeah, you've really done a great job of, of like sitting back as uh as the, not the host you, there may be a future here for you as a, uh, as like the analyst in the room. If you, if you really well, want that, I got to, I got to get my chops up a little bit, but I, I've actually been on a couple and, not to derail your agenda even further. <laughs> it's it's just it's a lot of fun. I was able to go on bench with Bubba. He, he was kind enough to invite me on on He's his show. Guy. That was that was a lot of fun. I I was a uh, 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 guest on uh, the, the triple play, and I was doing writing for them. But um, I was able to to join that. And Matt Williams was a guest on that one too. That was fun. Um, uh, Around the Diamond podcast had me on. So I've had some some uh, opportunities to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I also do, I still have lots to learn, you know, and that's, mm. that's part of this whole process. Yeah. Uh, I just want to shout out, uh, Bench with Bubba podcast. Absolutely fantastic. Both, um, uh, Bubba and, uh, Toby, uh, Batflip crazier are incredible people. And, uh, if you really want to get to know them, uh, go sit down at a cracker barrel with them. Cause that's, uh, that's where me and Nick <laughs> had lunch with them one time at, during first pitch Arizona and, and, uh, I think, I think just if you want to learn anything about anyone, go sit down at a Cracker Barrel with them. Cause it's just the kind of place that, you know, you're, you're going to learn about people one way or another. Um, but it's funny you mentioned, you know, having these opportunities to be on these other podcasts and learning more about it because you can really see, I don't know if it's the effect that dugout study hall has had on you or, uh, you know, just, just you growing within the industry, growing within your own confidence, but you go through like your, your author page and like the stuff that you've written and the more and more lately, um, partially because there's no baseball being played. Well, now there yeah. is, but there wasn't baseball being played, but there's so much, uh, really good fantasy content coming from you. Um, and it's, it's, I wonder, I, my part, one of my question is, you know, was dugout study hall kind of influential, uh, for you in that. And then part two is just like, how, how have you felt kind of stepping into this role of writing about drafting and save scarcity um, and, and just like, and putting yourself out there and saying, these are my guys. These are the guys that I want to draft. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it's not, it's not easy to just step into doing that. Yeah. I, I absolutely dug out study hall has had a, a tremendous impact, whether it's with the guests that we've been able to bring on and been lucky enough to have people say yes, when we ask them to come 
um, to the way that Alexander is just, he reads numbers like I would read uh, a, a children's book. He just, he sees <laughs> them, he gets them, he understands them. Um, there, it's, it's really, truly amazing. And I think through that process, I've learned that I can also be smart about these things, but it has to be in my way. And I have to right. come to it from my angle and I have to, you know, people say like, stay in your lane usually is a negative thing. But for me, I think it's really important that I stay in my lane and it's my thing. And mm -hmm. that does help to build confidence. I, I want, one of the things that bothered me early on was I would sit down to write and I would say, what do I have to say? Yeah. What do I have to say? What do I have to say that somebody else hasn't said better or louder or more often? Um, what am I adding to this, this conversation? And I think where I've landed and I, I don't, this is what I'm trying to do. I don't know if this is how it's being perceived by readers. So you'd be able to tell me better <laughs> if I'm accomplishing <laughs> my goal, but it's to take that concept of dugout study hall where we're taking complicated things and trying to make them accessible in, right. in uh, bite-sized pieces. And the fantasy stuff that I'm doing, I'm not necessarily trying to say, here's this thing and I'm right about it and here are the stats to prove it. Right. It's more like, here's a process I've gone through. Here are the conclusions that I have drawn. You might not like the guy that I picked, but this process is repeatable and it's repeatable in this very specific way. Right. Depending upon how many teams you have in your league, your rules, um, all of those things. And here's an exercise that I did that I'm writing about. Here are the conclusions that I came to. Right. But you can do this after reading this piece and pick a completely different set of 15 pitchers or 15 right. hitters. And it's a worthwhile thing to go through before your draft uh, because it's going to force you to think about what you care about, where your strengths and weaknesses are as a drafter, what your tendencies are, who you really are in love with, and want to right. make sure you reach to get. Um, it forces you to look at ADP and how ADP is changing over time and think about why is this ADP here? If I'm looking at NFBC uh, ADP, understanding what goes into that. Like right. why are closers going so early? Well, yeah. because a lot of those early drafts don't have a uh, fab. Yeah. Fab. I'm saying fab, Yancey, if you're listening, fab. <laughs> um. That's just not, for not, him. Not Fob. Fob. Yeah. I, I say, listen, this is, this was my, this was, first of all, he was on Alexander for saying Fob. And then Alexander was like, well, I just say what Matt says. So blame him. <laughs> okay. Thanks You're for like, that. Hey, wow. These, uh, these bus wheels, man, they really <laughs> yeah. feel, uh, they're really, they're really harsh going <laughs> yeah. over my dead right, body. Right here, Alexander. Thanks. All, all, all in good fun. I, I assume. <laughs> uh, but there's a car brand that exists or did exist. I don't know. Maybe this is because I'm old. Maybe it doesn't exist anymore. That was spelled S A A B. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's Saab. That's a car brand. And we, it's Saab mm -hmm. pronounced like S O B. Right. Yep. Like, like crying, not yeah, like yeah, yeah. the other S O B. Yeah. This is a G rated family podcast. Um, S O B is so, pretty, that's pretty censored. You know, you gotta work, yeah, you gotta yeah. work for that. I think we're okay. Uh, so <laughs> F A A B would be, Fab. fab fab but i'm gonna say fab fab to me is like is like when something's glamorous right i mean right. you're out in la so well and that's exactly you're surrounded what it is. by the glamour 
you have all of this money to go and get yourself some fabulous baseball players. Sure. That's I'll the way that's how you remember it. But so it's, it's really funny. Cause you, you mentioned this stuff and I got to say it does definitely come across because when I was reading the safe scarcity piece, like obviously, so I don't, I'm not playing in these NFBC, um, you know, Me high stakes games, draft, uh, draft champion type stuff where it's a lot of draft and hold, but, um, being at first pitch Arizona, being around all of these people and like knowing more of these people in the industry, like I'm definitely more in tune with where their heads at, what is leading them to the analysis that is leading them to drafting Liam Hendricks ADP right now for him is like 29th. And I just, I can't, I can't yeah. do it personally, but they, that's because I play a different game than they do. And you exactly made it very right. clear, like you are not playing the same game that these guys are playing right now. Um, and so that's why the closer ADP that you're going to see on, on NFBC, which is usually the, the earliest place where you can get ADP and therefore it kind of becomes like the source of truth for ADP because it's, it's the only site that has ADP right. in January. Only game in town. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know fantasy pros will have ADP, but they also pull ADP from sites like Yahoo and ESPN, which don't have ADPs in January. So, right, uh, right, right, right. Cause there are things not open yet. Um, now, now that, you know, we're draft seasons happening and I do most of my leagues on Yahoo, I'm going to be personally looking at Yahoo ADP to help me better understand, uh, you know, what I should expect to see in my drafts. Um, and that you exactly talk about that when you're talking about this stuff, like you're saying, Hey, this is understand your league. Um, but the real piece I want to talk about, which I think does such a great job of encompassing what you're exactly what you're saying of like, I did this exercise. This is the conclusions I reached. You can do this exercise. Like you, you like, let me, let me spell out the exercise for you. Let me spell out yeah. <laughs> all the steps I took. It was almost like a, um, like a scientific research paper where you were like, okay, here's my hypothesis. Here are the steps that we took was uh, drafting, starting pitching opportunity cost because yep. you literally lay out the full, like, listen, here's the experiment. If I take a pitcher in the first round, what does my team look like after two rounds? What does my team look like after three rounds? What if I take the pitcher in the second round? And it really spoke to me because that is exactly how I prepare for my drafts. Um, I come into every draft that I'm in, especially when I started doing 15 teamers like TGFBI, I have a, a plan of attack for the first four rounds. After mm -hmm. that drafts start going haywire and right. my team could look so different depending on how it happens that like I planning beyond the fifth round, especially in a 15 team, we're talking after pick 75. I'm uh, I guess after pick 60 um, at that point, I just have names that I've highlighted at like various positions at various points of the draft. There's right, no, right, right, right. There's well, no, then, um, that's where you have to then adjust to the room. Exactly. There's value somewhere, but if you've already drafted that value, then maybe this is the time for the reach. So yeah, I mean that, that whole piece was, was really about the concept of decision trees Yep. And that uh, when you when one domino falls one way, it's it, it impacts what you can do later on, um, which is not a, a brand new concept at all. Um, but I'm not sure that it's one of those things that gets written about a lot. No. And I think the reason is it's incredibly difficult. <laughs> you can't you, you get into the sixth round. And if you try and, and go through every possible conceivable outcome, you're, you're already at, you know, 7,000 words. It's just not, right, it's exactly. not a feasible thing to do. So, uh, you know, at a certain point in that piece, I did say like, look, we're, we're at the point now where I can't give you all the possibilities. Right. This is where I hope I'm at. You can kind of go back and do this, but do think purposefully about what you're missing. And, and one of the things I, I, I did not emphasize that much in that piece. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong was, People will talk about a pick in a vacuum all the time. 
Mm-hmm. I want this guy in the third round. Okay, but if you look then at what you get with your pairings, so the, mm-hmm. what that forces me to do in the next round, which pair do I like better? I think this is very, very clear if you have like the first pick in a 15-teamer, right? Mm-hmm. You, this is like the extreme because you're going to get the first pick and you're going to get the 30th pick. Right. <laughs> and a lot of guys come off the board in between. And so you're 28. really going to feel the the opportunity cost there, right? Right. Um, you're going to feel I went hitter and now I I might have to make some decisions about my SP1. Right. Exactly. And that's okay. You can build a fantastic team that way, but you need to be aware of it. And that doesn't go away just because you might have the eighth pick uh, and it's round seven. <laughs> it, right, exactly. It's still there. It's right. still there. Yeah, and that's it's really tough to write about decision trees because, again, as you mentioned, there's so many different paths. And so, you know, it just – it becomes like a um, R.L. Stein uh, choose your own uh, Goosebumps adventure book <laughs> where, like, I don't know if, if you did this. I don't know if you read those. But whenever I read through those books, my, I had – uh, 18 different bookmarks so that I could go back to like, Oh God, did I make, like, I made this decision on this page. Like, I don't know if this is going to work out well. So I have to go, let me, let me save that so I can go back in time and remake that decision. It's really hard to, to write that in, in a concise, you know, website article. Um, but I find those types of pieces for me are the most, uh, gratifying of like draft strategy and like the thought process of how you make your decisions, because, um, we're all there's, I think even you even write this exact line. There's a bazillion resources out there for, yeah. uh, you know, which pitchers to draft, which hitters to draft, but I have, you got to put it together and, and putting right. it together, you have to make decisions. And so how do we make those decisions? That's always something I'm, I'm fascinated by. And I, I hope, I feel like I'm starting to hear a little bit more around the industry. And I, I think within PitcherList too, a little bit more of like, Hey, maybe we should talk more big picture stuff. Um, unfortunately, I also know that those articles do not get as many clicks as yeah. seven sleepers for 2022. And so there will right. always be more room for that type of content. And and that's totally fine. P- the people want what the people want. Um, but I know what I, I'm looking for is, is all these like thought process, decision-making um, type of articles. And uh, yeah, that, that's always stuff I'm really interested in. So I really, really appreciated your, your starting pitching opportunity cost piece. And it just, it's so, so clear, like how like dugout study hall, just, just talking this kind of stuff through on a weekly basis has like come through in all of your analysis. Uh, and it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no separating the two. Um, and, and thank goodness for that. I, I'm I, it, not only am I able to kind of have a conversation about baseball once a week and share that with, with, uh, I don't, I don't really honestly know how many people I see how many downloads, but, I don't know how many people are listening, but more than zero. <laughs> and and that's <laughs> definitely right? more like, than zero. That's 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 what it was before I joined and, and before I put this content out there. Oh. Uh, same thing with the with the articles. You know, I I actually think one of the nicest things about and I don't know if this is purposeful on Nick's part. I, I have to imagine it is because he's very thoughtful about every angle. Is I have no idea how many clicks my pieces are. It's very purposeful. And I don't want to get sucked into that rabbit hole. And as much exactly as I why. want to know, I am dying to know, like, did 30 people read this? And and I'm going to go back for a second. I'm going to go back to those dark days when I was first starting, because like that, that 12 things of baseball article, I put so much into that. Right. And then afterwards I felt, I think I said this out loud to my wife. I was like, I did all that for five people. 
Like five <laughs> people read that. And it, it was such a, like, uh, it's obviously like a Debbie Downer outlook, right? Like, wah, wah. Right, right, right. Uh, and it sounds like I was feeling sorry for myself, but I was really, what I was doing was trying to reconcile input, output, uh, mm-hmm. you know, managing my energy. Something that I don't think a lot of people know, or they don't seem to, at least on Twitter, is how many people in this industry are putting out content as their side thing. They're, most people are, Almost this all. is not their full-time job. No. So, you know, I, I actually thought at one point about like putting out a tweet and not a woe is me tweet, like a reality tweet. Like, I don't want anybody to reply to this. Don't like it, whatever. But here's my day. You know, here's my day on, on a Monday and a Tuesday in my day job. And then I've got to, you know, do this to prepare for that. I come home. Um, I, I've got at the time when I started, I had two kids. We just had a third. Um, so there's all the the dad stuff, the husband stuff, the right. homeowner stuff, um, the preparing to be a teacher for tomorrow stuff. And right. then your habanero then, garden. Um, right. Absolutely. My, yes, exactly. Right. Which which will be replanted. Um, and that then when all of that stuff is done. That's when I go and I I set up my rundown and I find the pieces and the links and we record. And then the recording's done at 1030. I'm editing that thing until midnight, sometimes 1230 or, you know, it it gets postponed to the next night so that when I come home, there's that's on the, the list. And then, you know, people like Cross and Clegg that are are putting out or Curland who are putting out so much more than I am. I have no idea where they're finding the time to do it. It's all amazing right. work. But I, I think people take that that part of it for granted. And again, right. it's not like a I want people to feel sorry for me or I want a trophy for how hard I'm working. It's just more <laughs> like an acknowledgement of like this is this is not our day job. There are very, right. very few people who are putting out content and it's it's their day job. So right. uh, that's a short aside. I, I went on a tangent. I don't even remember how I started on it, but uh, I do think that's an important element to this because it, it's it's part of I think rec. Oh, I do remember. I do remember reconciling <laughs> the energy that's right, going right, right. in to what's coming out on the other side, and it's very easy to get caught up in likes and followers and clicks. Um, and so it's a, probably a, a in the long run an overall thirty thousand foot view good thing that that's not something I can get obsessed with, especially right. since, like I said, I'm an in my head kind of guy. But at the same time, you know, if I saw that, okay, 800 people read that, well, okay, that feels like uh, that's, 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 that's really a, cool, that's a number. right? Like, that's a lot of people. I've, I've put, I've put like this time and energy in and there's this like payoff and this validation for it. And I, you know, that, that's, that's good. But the, <laughs> the, the downside is if you do that and then it is five, right? Right. And what drives that it has nothing to do with the quality of the writing. It, it has mm-hmm. everything to do with the whim uh, of, of what's happening. You know, is it, is it in season? Is it preseason? Is it off season? Yeah. Whatever. There's so many other factors and variables you can't control. Like I said, I think it's best that we don't have that. Um, but at the same time, it, because you're having to find your space for this in your regular life uh, alongside everything else, sometimes it's kind of, you do start to ask yourself like, is this, is this worth it? It sounds like a terrible question, but like, is this worth it? It's a legitimate question. And, and at the end of the day, like the people who are going to be successful in this industry do what they do because they do it for themselves. Um, they're not there and it doesn't, you know, not that it doesn't matter. Obviously we all want people to read it and to, to, you know, gain from it and for it to positively impact people. Um, whether it's their understanding of fantasy baseball or prospects or whatever angle people come at it with, um, 
but ultimately there, if you don't do it for you, then none of that other stuff is going to matter. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I, I don't bring it up because again, I want, I want attention on me. I bring it up because I'm sure there's somebody right now feeling exactly the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way that I got through that was to look inside myself and say, how would I feel if I walked away right now? And if I would feel unfulfilled, if I, if I would feel like I was missing something from my life, then that's not the right call. That's not the right, right. decision. And if that's the case, then that's the reason to keep doing it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and, to go back to you know one of the points you made about how few people that do this this is a full time job this is not Nick's day job, uh, right. Nick obviously spends a lot of time on Pitcher List but Nick has a real job. Uh, well, that's a really bad way of putting it. Nick has another. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is real. It's all fake. Yeah, no, uh, Nick. Nick. Nick has another job, and and that's yeah. you know Nick doesn't take money out of Pitcher List. Like Pitcher List does not pay any of Nick's bills, and if Nick who spends, you know, who wrote 37,000 words about pictures, which I read yeah. every single <laughs> one because he needed someone to help him edit his piece. Uh, I know more about pictures than I ever have in my life. And it, it was not by choice, uh, but uh, uh, Nick, uh, if Nick's not, you know, this isn't full-time job for Nick, then, you know, it's just, it, it just goes to show like, this is very much something that you do because you want to do it because you'd love to do right. it because, because it fulfills you. And I knew I've known obviously for a long time that this is, you know, something very fulfilling for me and, and the ROI is there and whatever on my time. But, uh, recently, even, uh, about a month ago when, uh, no, maybe it was the, maybe it was February 28th. I can't remember exactly which day it was, but it was one of the days that negotiations really went sideways. Mm -hmm. And I remember just standing there in my kitchen, just hands on my, over my head, just like, in kind of disbelief and like, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And like, this is just, this really sucks and blah, blah, blah. And Megan, um, you know, she's coming over and she's like, Hey, like, you know, I know this really sucks. I know how much they love baseball, but it's, it's okay. Like, you know, there will be baseball at some point, like everything's going to be okay. Like, I don't know. Not like, I don't know why you're so upset, but, but you know, it's like, you're really, really taking this hard. And I was like, I don't know what we're going to do at picture list. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's, that's the question is like, I don't know what, like, like we're going to be fine. We're going to, when the season comes, we'll be there, all that stuff. But it's like, I just don't, we just went through this in 2020 and I just don't know what we're going to do in the meantime. And she was like, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not your site. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it, but that's how I know that was the moment when I was like, dude, I, I really know, know that this is something I have to stay in yeah. because it affects me. It, it gets yeah. in your blood, right? Like, like 100%. baseball. It's, it's just like the game, <laughs> the game gets in your blood. It becomes part of who you are. It's in your soul. Um, you know, sometimes you're, you're fighting with it and sometimes you're snuggling with it and, and <laughs> that's just the way it is. Right. So when oh, you do, man. when you do these things, uh, anything that you do as a creative pursuit requires tremendous vulnerability. And maybe mm -hmm. that's also something that consumers of this content don't quite get. And I don't say that in a negative way or uh, an accusatory way. If you haven't done it, how would you, how would right. you know what it's like to like put this thing out there and have people make comments on it um, or, or say things, whatever it's, right, it, right, but right. It, it's this labor of love that you then are putting out there. So it, it's, 100%. it can be heavy, right? It can be heavy, but at the end of the day, it's the kind of heavy that you want. I, I don't know. Like yeah. for me, having kids, having kids is a heavy responsibility. Right. I would, I wouldn't undo it for, for anything. Um, yeah, I, I 
I don't know what that feeling is like because I don't have any kids of my own, but I have two fur pups. I guess that that counts, right? Um, let's uh, let's kind of you mentioned you know baseball. You can you can fight with it. You can snuggle with it. Um, it gets in your blood. Let's talk a little bit about how baseball got in your blood and and definitely how you snuggled with it one time because you you said this to me and I didn't when you sent me this message I kind of read through it all and, and didn't really process it fully. But when I when I really like process what you had said. Sorry, so you struck out 18 out of 21 batters in a single game. And even more incredibly, you struck out four batters in one inning? Your catcher sucks that bad? Uh, well, you know, listen, uh, this this sounds far more impressive than than it probably was. This was like rec league. Um, this was not like uh, you, you, know, you can only beat you recruited. can only beat the people in front of you. You can't this beat was, people that aren't on your field. You <laughs> this can was only where I out the batters right there. My baseball career peaked at 15 or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, now that that did happen, it uh, the the town that I played in, I don't know, like a lot of kids just didn't want to play. The the, mm-hmm. the teams kind of shrunk a little bit. We wound up playing like the same the same teams over and over again. And I, I certainly wasn't destined for, for being playing baseball uh, beyond my teenage years. Um, I was decent. I, I, I was decent. I was lazy. And um, <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. I was the same way as like a middle school student. Um, I could get by on like not having to work that hard. Right. And then when I got to the part of education where I, I was with other people who, who were as capable, but had really good habits. I got crushed. Um, yep. Same thing happened with baseball. I, I didn't have the habits that it was going to take to get me to that next level. So um, that's the, yeah, this is my Al Bundy four touchdowns in one game story, but uh, yeah, that did happen. It, it, the, so the four strikeouts in one inning, yeah, it was like a drop third strike and uh kid got on. And um, I think that was the third, it was the third out. So the kid got on and then I, I just wound up striking out the next the next hitter. So Man, it sounds I mean, far more impressive than it really was. Look, it, 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 okay. It sounds impressive. It doesn't matter. Again, you can only beat the kids that are in front of you. There's, there's no world in which you can strike out people that aren't at your stadium. Uh, so, you know, striking out 18 out of 21 batters in a game four in an inning, absolutely incredible. I don't care how you slice it. Now, if you tell me you were 15 and these were seven year olds, you know, then maybe we're having a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, that would be an awkward conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I, it's funny cause I actually, I peaked at baseball at 12, um, before kids started throwing like above 70 miles an hour. Uh, cause that's when I stopped being able to see pitches and I was never a good, I was, I, I straight up quit. in uh, after eighth grade, because there were, there were kids throwing fastballs that I couldn't see anymore. And I was like, this is just a, a safety thing. Like I've, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. they could be throwing it at my head and I would have no clue until I woke up the next day. Like there's no, I wouldn't even be able to <laughs> right. duck, you know? Um, and I still remember swinging at a pitch about a foot out of the zone. And my coach asked me later, like, why did you swing at that? And I was like, well, it was in the zone when I started swinging. Like, I didn't realize that kids were throwing sliders now. Like, yeah, my bad. Right. Like, so I quit. <laughs> but so at 12, at 12 was when I was when I peaked because I, I grew up also being a pitcher. Um, and uh, I, I still remember to this day, um, seventh grade, uh, 12 years old, um, pitching against the Cubs. Um, I was playing for the angels that year, I believe. Yeah, definitely angels. And, uh, I struck out the first 11 batters that I faced. Um, and I got the 12th batter and this is at a time when four innings is your max. So this is, this is the last batter I'm going to face if I get this guy out. Um, I had him on like a, definitely a two strike count and he freaking dribbles the ball back to me. Uh, and I was like, dude, I was so close to a 12 strikeout perfect game. 
Uh, and it was just literally all <laughs> elevated fastballs. Like I caught on very early that these guys will swing at anything above their belt. So I just started yeah. throwing fastballs, uh, basically letters and higher, and they were just swinging at it every time. So I was like, dude, Blake Snell blueprint. I don't even have a breaking ball. I'm just throwing elevated fastballs, baby. Uh, <laughs> and I got those 11 he strikeouts and I, dude, I just wanted, I just wanted the 12 strikeout so badly. I'm so mad. Like I would, I probably would have been less upset if he had just gotten a hit. If he had just like connected solidly, the fact that the ball made it about 40 feet back to me. I had to I had to go to the ball to pick it up to throw him out. I was just so frustrated in that moment. <laughs> I'm uh, throw this one away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna time. give me, I'm gonna strike out the next hit. This is still a no-hitter if I commit the error, right? Like it's not yeah. doesn't count against me. Um, but yeah, so I mean that's really cool and 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 you know, having those moments from from like when we were able when we were able to do that kind of stuff uh is always something that it's really great to hold on to in, in these moments of just like feeling on top of the world. Um, but I, I, along those lines, like, you know, you grew up going to see, first of all, you're a Red Sox fan. Like, let's yes. just, yep. um, but you grew up going I've made to no, see. And I've made no secret about that. I know no, sometimes no, the analysts and, and baseball writers, like they try and hide their fandom. I wear it on my sleeve. I, I'm, I try, I try to be very impartial. I try very hard not to let that. Right. Seep into analysis. My writing. Um, but I actually kind of feel like if I'm upfront about it, and it does at least then people can like compartmentalize right. it, I guess. Right. And like the one across the seams piece that you've written was about Kyle Schwarber coming back to the Red Sox, which unfortunately didn't, yeah, happen. It didn't happen. But I think for all the reasons I outlined in that article, it was a good signing for the Phillies. You exactly. Know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say like, it was pretty much the exact same thing, but national league team, not the American league team, unfortunately, uh, which is and now it, it, yeah, the, the, the fundamental difference there is, is no longer nope. right. Nope. So it's, that blueprint still works for Philadelphia now, just like it would have for Boston. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but growing, you went to Pawtucket Red Sox games because I, you were, I'm assuming, by the way, can I just say New England, you guys have so many amazing like city names like Pawtucket and like Worcester and like Bristol. I don't know. Every time I hear like people ref reference like just random towns in New Almost England. Almost every one of them is stolen either from England or from Native Americans. So. Okay, well, they're not as yeah, cute that's anymore. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> like Essex, right? Or or New London. There's a that was that was great. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of Native American influence in the names, especially in like upstate New York and stuff. Uh, Connecticut itself, which is where I live, is named after a river that had a it's a native name and and anglicized. So there's a lot of All right. That. Yep. Well, I, Hey, I learned something today, which, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Pawtucket Red Sox and, um, you know, being able to see players kind of coming up. I always just went to Dodger stadium, went to major league games. I didn't have minor league teams near me. Like what were some of the coolest aspects of, of being near a minor league team and seeing, you know, going to and seeing minor league baseball, um, live as opposed to, you know, always being at, at Fenway. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot more of a, this is going to be a weird word, but it's more of an intimate connection with the game because mm -hmm. going to Fenway or any major league stadium is an event. Right. Um, going to a minor league game is more like an outing. I don't know. Is that a distinction without a difference? <laughs> it, it, I, I, I feel like it's like when you go out to eat and you go to like your favorite little like casual food right. pub is like minor leagues and, and like going to a fancy steakhouse is, is going there to you the go. Stadium. I like that. That's a good analogy. Better. Okay. We're working on it. I was um, going to say, I was going to say maybe minor league games feel like family picnics kind of a thing. Yeah. I was actually picnic was in my head. That's crazy. Yeah. Get out of my head. Miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So the the story around the Pawtucket Red Sox, who are now the Worcester Red Sox, um, I'm going to have to make a point of traveling up and and seeing a game there, um, which is a bittersweet move for me because this was such a meaningful part of my life. But mm-hmm. and I wrote a piece about this as well, which exists, um, and I've talked about this a lot. So <laughs> it exists. Well, it, I like go look and read it. It's there. You can you can you can find it pretty easy. I think it's like an open letter to the Pawtucket Red Sox yep. and. Um, it really, it's a pour my heart out kind of piece. Uh, but the real connection, uh, we were, the family was living in a town in Connecticut and my dad got relocated, um, out to Rhode Island. So, uh, geography aside, right? Like we're living on the shore of Connecticut. I don't know how many people have any idea what the geography is like over here, small States, relatively speaking. Right. But like, he was working in New Haven, which is like the middle of Connecticut on the shore and was relocated out to Rhode Island. It's like a 90 minute drive from where we were living. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's like that's the entirety long... of Rhode Island, right? 90 minute drive. Yeah, you really can get kind of across. Yeah. If you didn't have to do half of that in Connecticut, it would have been much shorter. Um, <laughs> and at first, uh, he, I, he he made that drive every day. 90 minutes there, 90 minutes home. That's so rough. Um and, you know, I was eight or nine or whatever. I had no concept of what that was. Right. But um, he would try sometimes to stay and, and not come home midweek. And I don't remember any of this as a kid, but like my mother tells the story now that it I started like getting getting like bad grades at school and my whole mood changed. And and so my dad uh being the dad that he was started making that drive every single day. Um, Unreal. And that's amazing. Um, it is amazing. You know, I, I tell these stories. I don't know if it, hopefully it doesn't come through too bad, but it, I get choked up. I, I, unfortunately I lost my dad when I was 23. He, he passed when he was just 53. So I haven't, I've lived almost, I'm, I'm closing in on having lived more years of my life without him than with him. And uh, you know, there's, there's these moments where I just feel his absence. Um, no. So that's a story that I like to tell because it showcases what he was willing to do for me and for his family. But it just it, he did it for like two years and it was just it just was too much. Right. So we relocated out to Rhode Island and and I didn't want to go. And um, it was just it was not it wasn't great. It was kind of a, an icky thing that was going on in the family. But it's what you do when you're a family. You, <laughs> if you want to eat and you want to have a roof, you follow the money. Right. Um, and so one of the things that my parents did to try and get me right with it was while we were still living in Connecticut, my dad bought a couple tickets and my mom like met him halfway after work. And my, my dad brought me to a Pawtucket Red Sox game and I had no idea what minor league baseball was. They were like, oh, there's this this field and, and people who might eventually play in the major leagues play on it. And I was like, oh, cool. When we move there, maybe I'll play there. And they're like, no, no, you're not going to play there. Uh, like they weren't trying to crush my dreams. They're just trying to get me to understand. I I just wouldn't understand. So nine year olds don't play minor league baseball. Generally speaking. No, I, I, it would be frowned upon. Um, (laughs) I think they'd call that child labor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the way that they pay minor leaguers anyway, well, we don't have to dive into (laughs) that. Um, so, and, and I think like in that moment, I don't even know if I'd been to a a game at Fenway Mm -hmm. at that point. They were so expensive. You know, I, I, like I didn't grow up poor, but we certainly weren't rich. Well, and you're um, not you're not in Boston too, so it's like you got it's yeah, a whole, it's a whole, it's whole thing. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, and uh, you know, being there and experiencing that, and 
falling asleep in the car on the way home as a kid. Like there was just a connection there. So when we moved out, the Pawtucket Red Sox offered this really cool thing. I don't know if, if it, how long it lasted, if other uh, teams do this, but you could like buy season tickets and you get like two seats for or 10 seats, whatever for every game all year long, like season tickets usually work <laughs> or you could, or this is the part that's, that's that matters. Or you could buy one seat and they'd give you a voucher for every game, right? So let's say they play, I don't know, they play 150 games in a season, so like 75 yeah. games in, in home games. You get 75 vouchers. You go to the, the ticket office and you say, okay, I'm taking eight of these and I'd like eight tickets to Saturday's game. And like we would bring other families with us and oh, my dad really and I cool. would go to like midweek games. So he could buy one ticket and we could go to a lot of games because we're not going every night. It's right, right. There's no way he would have bought so, it otherwise. Right, so you kind of you kind of are getting you're getting season tickets, but you can kind of redeem them for however many games you actually want to go to. You could turn 75 tickets into uh, a group of 10 people for seven games. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah, as long as there really were cool. seats available. So that, it so was, that is different than how season tickets normally work. So I do appreciate it. Totally. I don't, <laughs> and I don't know if that is something that other places do, but that's I've never heard did that. It then. That's really cool. Um, and it was a it, it removed a barrier to access for us as a family, right. and so we had the season tickets, and we went a lot. McCoy Stadium's got these like the dugouts are on ground level; they're not actually dug out. Oh, interesting. So like the stands start, I don't want to say like 12, 15 feet off the ground. So there was this yeah. thing where like before games, we would have these buckets, like beach buckets, with string tied to them with ball and a sharpie, and you'd lower it down, and the players would come over and sign it. That's so cool. Uh, it was like a very unique experience to that stadium, and right. um, my experience living in Rhode Island as a child was very, very hard. It was very hard. Uh, I, I was picked on. I, the bullying got to the point where it was so intensely physical that it only stopped when my parents sent the police to the kid's front oh my door. God. And they said, like, if he touches him again, he'll be arrested. Like, it, it got really intense. Wow. And so um, in your formative years, those things last. There are things about me 100%. and who I am today that I know 100% go back to those four years that I spent feeling the way that I felt, having my brain swimming in the chemicals that it was swimming in at informative years. So oh my God. Um, the, the Pawtucket Red Sox games that we went to, it was the summertime, obviously most of it. Right. I didn't have to worry about school. I didn't have to worry about being picked on. I didn't have to worry about being bullied. I had this amazing opportunity to go experience baseball with my dad um, and my family. And uh, it, w- there, it, was, it was like a very safe place for me. Yeah. And so it became about way more than baseball. <laughs> and, yeah. and as much as like the negative is hardwired into me in some cases, and, and maybe that's why I'm in my head all the time. Um, so was that, that connection to the game. And, and I think yeah. that's why I feel so deeply about the game itself. I think that's, what's so beautiful about sports. Um, I, I feel like baseball is, is definitely one of the sports that you get this the most, with for whatever reason, but I think it's so beautiful about sports is that for so many people, it's about so much more than what's happening on the field or on the court. Um, there's a deeper connection um, to whatever it is for, for some people it's um, comfort and safety for others. It's um, you know, the intellectual stimulation of like, like, you know, that's I, part of why I love basketball so much because, you know, I've coached basketball and, and watching, watching it is, is a mental exercise for me. It's not, it's not even playing. It's a mental exercise for me. Um, it's, you know, it's just one of the things. So sports is just so much more many for many people than, than what's actually happening 
um, or what the actual, you know, wins and losses, the points scored, the, the, you know, home runs and the strikeouts. It's, it's incredible. Um, and I really, I really love that. That's something that you have shared in the past and that you're sharing now. And, and it's, um, yeah, man, it, we, like anytime anyone comes to me, cause for some reason people still sometimes come to me with like their article ideas and I'm like, yeah, dude, like, yeah, just, like a hundred percent. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. Like I'll, I'm here, like, I'm here. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that as like, I'm not accessible kind of a way, but you know, it's like, there's, I, you know, there's better people than I to help you flesh these out, but people come to me and, and like so many times I'm just it's going like, to stop you right there and say that's because of the culture that you have been that part Nick of has built. You're absolutely right. Nick, Nick has built and that. now you as well okay. is that people feel safe and comfortable talking and, and I, uh, fleshing out their ideas with you. So that's credit to you. And I know you're not going to say it, so I'm going to say it for you. I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, but it's any anything that comes from a place of love for the game that comes from a place of passion. Um, I I think it's a disservice if it doesn't get written. Um, if if someone has that, and so many of my favorite pieces and so many of the best pieces that have been written um, at Pitcher List over the years are just pure love letters. Um, or or something to you know, uh, Nicole Cahill writing about you know Drew Robinson to Christian Crespo's recent um, article about why he loves baseball. Um, to even Eric Van Rienen, just uh, interviewing people about how love and baseball intertwined. It's just, there's so many things like that, that it just, we, everyone needs more of that. And we need to remember that's why it's the um, humanity. It's so, especially playing fantasy. I think it's easy to look at athletes as commodities. Right. And as numbers. assets. Yep. And, and, and learning uh, about the humanity of the people attached to the game, the players, the analysts, um, you know, I, I had a great relationship with my dad but maybe baseball is the one place that a son and a father can connect, you know, and everything else is, is difficult, but that's the one place where they, the, you know, the Venn diagram just met lines yeah, up. Right. So right. Exactly. There's, there's the, the humanity of all these things. That's what drives all of us all the time, no matter what it is that we like, whatever it is that brings us joy, as complicated as people are, we're also very simple creatures and that we're going to chase the things that make us happy. We, we seek comfort. Um, we, we want to get those those dopamine hits from, from positive <laughs> interactions, right? right? That's why it happens. So, um, you know, understanding why, you know, this guy's road numbers might be rough this year. Well, because it's the first time he's playing for this team and he's away from his family for, you know, yeah. weeks and weeks at a time. And that has a more a greater emotional impact on him than it does on somebody else. And that's okay. Right. You know, like we, we, we can also have that conversation without saying, I always killing my, my fantasy team when he's away. Right. Right. Like, so there's, I, that's, I love those stories because I, I think sometimes we easily lose sight of that humanity right. and it's something we shouldn't lose sight of. I, I completely agree. Um, 100%. I want to change, uh, just a little bit, um, yep. uh, shift focus just a little bit. I have. Uh, one last question from myself, and then um, we got a couple of questions from our PL Plus Discord. Um, I want to know. So you're a teacher. It sounds. I, I believe you mentioned middle school um, is yep. the the age that you teach. Um, is there? Do you? So in middle school, is that like a subject? This is not my question, but I'm curious. Is it like a yeah. subject that you teach, or do you just kind of general all purpose? No, at, at my level, it's uh, I teach social studies. That's that's the uh, the area. So there's cool. I have a team of teachers. One teaches the the language arts, right, math, right, right. science. So you, you focus. That's like history, right? Social studies. Yeah, it can be history. Uh, I teach kind of a, a a regional studies class. So we we do do history, but it's also like 
what's the world that we live in and how, what's your place in it and what does a global citizenship look like and all that. That's really cool. Uh, so, so you're a teacher, um, you're a father of three, um, and you are uh, now a, a manager here at Pitcher List. And uh, I'm just kind of curious, like what, um, I don't know, what similarities do you see? What lessons have you learned from one realm that you've taken to another? Cause it's all very kind of similar. And, and um, you know, we could even go so far as to say being the host and editor of the dugout study hall podcast, you might have had to you know, bring that into things as well a little bit uh, with Alexander, who, I mean, Alexander's a teacher in his own right. I'm not trying to say mm-hmm. you're, you're teaching him or anything, but I'm just, you know, just throwing that out there, leaving that if you want to pick up that <laughs> that thread at all. Um, well, the, the thing that is speaks to me as a teacher, um, I want the kids to walk away from my class. I want them to know details about things because details is the medium for understanding the concepts. But mm-hmm. really, I don't have any illusions that in two years they're going to remember the details of you know a, a Chinese dynasty or you know the Cultural Revolution that we're learning about right now. Um, that it's more the broad strokes that they understand things like some people live very differently from the way that you live, um, and how can we have compassion and understanding for that? Right. Um, and how does learning about them help you learn more about you and what matters to you, your values, your ideals? Um, and honestly, in in a, a world and in a society right now where things are so divided and, and polarized, it's still an avenue uh, of exploration that is it works uh, because it's not about me telling them what to believe. It's saying like, hey, here are these things that happened. What are your feels about that? And what is what do you think that means for you? Uh, and so I, I think given my experience, uh, when I first jumped in and, and kind of wanting to always think about the person first and the product second, um, the approach that I've tried to take as a manager. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that is to kind of be there for other people, the way I described Ben being there for me, Mm -hmm. um, when, when people feel like I'm not really sure what my next direction is, great, let's talk about that and let's get you set in a path so that this becomes not that thing that brings you stress and anxiety, at least as little as possible. Right. right? If it's something you care about, it's going to sometimes come with stress and anxiety because you want to do the best you possibly can. But um, how can we bring it so that it's mostly the thing that's bringing you joy? And, and um, you know, that's that's kind of, I guess, where the crossover is. It, right. Is, being there for for staffers who need me and getting out of the way of staffers who don't and and just kind of giving them the space to do what what they're really good at what they're comfortable with what they're confident with and and giving them the space and the time and the sounding board and for other people who are maybe having some some feelings about like I don't really know where my place might be um great like that's not that's not a negative for me that's a that's that's a a, a place to start a conversation it's an opportunity and so um and again, with with the fact that I've lived maybe more years than I like to admit that I've lived and um, my own life experiences and struggling as an adolescent and uh, coming through my 20s and my 30s and now being in my early 40s, there's a lot that goes along with that. So if you're if you're self-reflective and um, you acknowledge your own strengths and your own weaknesses and, and you can think those things through, uh, I think it makes it easier to be wise for others. Yeah. And beautifully spoken. And, uh, yeah, that was way, 
deeper of an I was just kind of hoping for something along the lines of like Alexander picks his nose in the same way your middle schoolers do or something like that you know <laughs> trying to uh, manage that maybe uh, time management and and you know <laughs> maybe being there when when he's planning on being there but that's more honestly to be fair to him that's more of a product of his gig and obviously work and, and family and all that stuff comes first. So, and I can't tell you the number of times I've said to someone who's, you know, brand new to, to picture list that like, we have no qualms about where, you know, we're at best, uh, someone's third priority, your personal life and, and your day job, you know, your career, whatever, whatever you want to call it should be, uh, where your focus is. And, and we're happy to have whatever passion project time, um, that you have to right. dedicate to things. Um, you know, this is such a, a I don't, whatever. I don't want to wax poetic about picture list anymore. We've done that for an hour and a half now. Um, <laughs> but I am going to a kind of, because the question that I have from you for, from the picture list discord, that was a really great question, by the way. Um, so little piranha picture list plus member asked, um, which guy in the draft room are you? Um, and that was a reference back to a piece that you wrote, uh, before draft season last year, uh, called the guys in the draft room. Um, uh, author's note from from matt uh in this piece mm -hmm. he used the word guy a lot but that's just a colloquial way to refer to all of the guys gals and non-binary pals uh who may be in that draft room and so i want to just real quick i want to say all the people that that you had kind of uh listed called out whatever okay. you want to put it um and just tell me which which of these people do you do you feel yourself most aligned with and then also has that changed in the past year um, you know, by virtue of, of the work that you've done here at Pitcherless. So we've got um, the hold up the draft guy, uh, the multitasking guy, the unprepared guy, uh, the, the flip of them, the overconfident guy, um, the probably, again, another flip of that. I don't know how we have three opposites here, but we do the um, I always hate my pick guy. Uh, <laughs> I believe you call them the Eeyores of the draft room. Uh, the and now kind of moving into auctions, the constant overbidder, the price enforcer, which I hope you don't say this one because everyone hates the price enforcer, uh, <laughs> the bomb bidder, the person who just, you know, is going to bid, you know, $20 more than what the next highest bid was at the time. Um, and then the last few you have, I can't really, I guess there's one more, the got to get my guy, guy, uh, the stasher and the sniper. It's kind of... It, you can't really call yourself the sniper. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's something that happens. But so of, of all of those, which do you see yourself most, uh, most like in your draft rooms? I think um, I'm going to go contradictory to kind of what we just said. And you can't be that guy early on. I think my downfall was that I was a stasher um, that I would constantly. And I don't know if it was just, just the draft room for, it was more like the waiver wire thing, but the shiny new toy always got my attention and I would foolishly uh, drop like the unsexy, but very steady player right. who was happened to be hitting, you know, 240 at that point, several years ago when 240 wasn't league average. <laughs> um, and, and for this guy that just didn't work out, you right. know, um, Are you were, you're the guy hanging on to Eloy Jimenez that whole season when he never, never actually got called up. All those, and then and then wind up missing out on the Mike Trout's because well the last three didn't pan out, so I'm gonna wait, <laughs> and then somebody else got them that year. Uh, so I've definitely that's de definitely been a downfall for me in the past is is trying to uh, being anxious about missing on mm -hmm. the next big thing that comes up mid season and like a little, a, FOMO, a little bit of FOMO, a little bit of FOMO leading to that FOMO before we called it that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
So that's definitely been a downfall. I think uh, sometimes the underprepared guy, especially early, I I have buddies who are incredibly sharp uh, fantasy baseball players, and they're always incredibly prepared, uh, whether it's really knowing their strengths and weaknesses. So one of them is a real numbers guy. His name is Zach. Shout out to Zach. Um, he's amazing with numbers, very Alexander-esque where he just sees them and they make perfect sense to him. And, you know, he's really good with a spreadsheet, really, right. really good with a spreadsheet. And uh, another buddy, my uh, my really, really, really close friend, uh, Rob, we've been buddies since I was, we were 13. Um, you know, he was, when my family moved from Rhode Island back to Connecticut, he, he was like the guy who kind of scooped me up. Uh, and we've been real, well, uh, best friends ever since his best friends is it doesn't even do a service, but, um, <laughs> and he's really good at kind of like understanding the feel uh, and then being able to reconcile that with like the ranks and all that. And I would go in with like the ESPN, you know, list. Right. <laughs> right. Like, so, um, I do think that, that now, I am far more prepared. I know how to use the tools better, but I still think I'm the anxious guy. And that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily somebody that I wrote about. Maybe self-preservation. I didn't put that person in. But, um, <laughs> You're like, I can't, I can't call myself out here. Or the FOMO guy, you know? And, and here's, this is one of the things that, that um, comes up whenever we do like these industry drafts, TGFBI, Slam, all those things. They come out and people are like, well, where people finish kind of is a, a nod towards whether you should pay attention to their fantasy advice. And I I just don't think it's, it's out of whack for me because you can be, I could be great at compiling my list and then anxious draft off of my own plan, right away from my own plan. Right. Um, Or I could be an amazing drafter and write about that. And then I'm just not good at at negotiating trades and somebody else is. So, um, you know, I, I, I wrote, wrote those pieces about being prepared for a draft, but when it actually happens, there's a human behavior component to right. that. And I think sometimes that's maybe where, where I get a little tripped up. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, right. And then what? <laughs> and, and then and then you're bleeding and, and uh, yeah. it's a whole and, thing. And auto dra- auto picking somebody by mistake. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. Um, when I was reading through this, I, I was trying to figure out, which one I am. And I, I don't, I don't know if, if I really was any of them. And then I get to the bottom and I see the got to get my guys guy. And when, when you wrote about this, you kind of also like a uh, uh, part B of this was like the Homer guy, like the person yeah. who always drafts players from their own team or like your, your last three picks are just like the bench player from your favorite team or, or whoever. Um, and it's not that for me, but it's, over time being in the industry and doing all these drafts with, with so many smart people has made me realize that like, dude, throw ADP out the window, like absolutely throw ADP out the window. There's one, one use for ADP. And the only use for ADP is having an understanding of what price you can pay for players, how long you could wait or when you might have to reach just to make sure you get that guy. Yeah, absolutely. But like it, it, the, the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is like at a certain point in the draft, I mean, it's all just funny money you know, at, at a certain yeah, point. And, right. and like, why, why should I wait for pick 160 to pick Justin Turner or pick 130 to pick Carlos Rodon? Two people, by the way, uh, that apparently aren't just my guy. There are a lot of people guys. Cause I didn't get them in any of my drafts because people <laughs> right. kept beating me to them, even though I was willing to All pick them. All it takes them. is one, right? Exactly. So ADP is blown. The second one other person decides that the value is different. hundred so percent. Y- you want to know it because it's silly not to, you don't want to be taking somebody, you know, five rounds ahead of, of where you probably could reasonably get them. 
But at the same time, if you try and wait until the actual round, there's a good chance that somebody else is going to beat you too. Right. Understand, like for me, it just comes down to like, just understand your rankings and like make, first of all, make your own rankings. Even if you don't think you, or like maybe don't make your own own rankings, but like have rankings from people that you trust, whatever, however you want to do it. But just like and make have- sure that it's as closely aligned to your settings as possible. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, like I'll, I'll just shout out fan graphs at this point. You can go to their, their uh, auction calculator. Put in and your own you league settings. Customize your thing. And it'll give you dollar values, which not only helps you with being able to rank, but also tier. So right. it's it's really 100%. easily available. I, I get to my point an hour and a half ago. It's overwhelming if you don't know how to do it. And so, uh, you know, uh, reach out to people. Or, yeah. You know, ask a question. Send me a message on Twitter. I'm happy to help. Yeah. But, but. So going back to, uh, you know, not don't draft the guy five rounds ahead of his ADP. But if I don't have anyone else ranked higher than him and we're talking about drafting him in round 15 versus round 20 i might just draft him in round 15 because again there's a certain point where just you just get your guys because you know what you won't remember in may you won't remember if you drafted him in the 15th or 20th round you will remember though if he's on someone else's team and he is having the season you wanted him to have and he's you didn't draft him because you waited until round 20 um or you waited until round 19 even and someone else still beat you to him. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm an unapologetically get my guys guy because <laughs> I've just learned, man, like the, the drafts that I've hated the most were the drafts where I just picked whoever was falling and it wasn't someone I necessarily liked, but it was, Oh, the value is too good here. And it's like, I didn't even really like this guy to begin with. I just picked yeah. him 30. You want to like and root for your team too. Exactly. You can't only do, only do that but you can certainly pick and and choose your places and your players to and and do it yeah want be happy with the team you've drafted a hundred percent at the end of the day unless you're a high stakes player and you know if you're a high stakes player because you're telling everyone around you you're a high stakes player unless you're a high stakes player this is more or less for fun so i hope you enjoy what you're doing so that's yeah anyway uh matt absolute pleasure having you on. I knew from the minute that I was going to be starting doing this, that you were one of the people I wanted to talk to. In fact, I looked at Austin's list to see if he had already had you on. And I was like, possibly just going to disregard it anyway, unless you had like (laughs) just recently been on, but uh, you've been absolutely one of my favorite people to work with here at picture list. People go listen to dugout study hall. It is an absolutely fantastic podcast that no matter what your level of expertise when it comes to this kind of stuff, like there is something for you and uh, uh, the writing you've been doing lately has been fantastic. So people uh, follow Matt Goodwin. Where, where, where can they find you on, on the internets? Uh, I, I obviously I have my author page at picture list. You can go find all of the different things that I've written there. Um, and then on Twitter is where everything that I do kind of gets filtered through and you can find me at the corked Matt on Twitter. Love it. Love it. Matt, thank you so much. Uh, You've been uh, uh, one of the best guests that I've ever had on any podcast that I've ever done. (laughs) Well, that's very, very kind of you to say. I appreciate you taking the time and carving out the space in in your life to uh, to give me a chance to say too many words for an hour and a half. Spoken spoken (laughs) like a true host yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I I understand all, like I said, all the energy and the effort that goes into this. Uh, I appreciate all the kind words, but you know, this is, this is your time too. It's not just my time. And I very much appreciate you uh, giving me space. So thank you. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. I guess I've been out hosted here by Matt Goodwin. Again, uh, check out Dugout Study Hall. Check out the stuff that he's writing and come back next week to see who else we have on the list. Thank you.